welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're here to talk about the spoilers for the final season of Game of Thrones for this first day in whatever capacity you could possibly have spoilers based on source material that doesn't exist at this point. Uh, yeah. We're going to try to do that. There's still a big one, and it's one that we... Oh, well, I mean, there's lots of stuff to talk about, obviously. Um, but there's one that we didn't talk about, the Valonqar theory. Uh, you've probably, you've heard of this several times, Jim. Do you, sure. do you what, what, if you, if I had to ask you to recite it, what would you say to, the- uh, it's essentially the prophecy that either Jamie or Tyrion is going to kill Cersei in yeah. the end. Uh, it, it translates roughly to little brother mm-hmm. and that's part of the, the, uh, prophecy that Maggie the frog gave to Cersei when she was young, that she would be killed right. by this younger brother. Yeah. You, um, if you, it, there, there's the, that, that, the Maggie the frog scene was in a couple seasons ago where a young Cersei found out, you know, she went to this soothsayer, this woods witch, and asked her, you know, will I be queen? She says, oh, yeah, you'll be queen, and you'll have uh, three children. Your, your, your husband, the king, will have scores of children, and you'll have the three, and golden will be their crowns, and gold will be their shrouds, until a younger queen, more beautiful than you, supplants you, and then, the, and then uh, that's where the show prophecy ends. The book continues and says, and when your tears have drowned you, the Valonqar shall wrap his hands around your pale white throat and choke the life from you. And as Jim said, the Valonqar is a, uh, a word that means little brother in, uh, in, in, I believe it's Valerian. It might've been Bravosi. Uh, so that in the books, uh, Cersei is obsessed with the idea that this is Tyrion. And, you know, we see a little bit of that in the shows where, uh, obviously she has more reasons than this, than this, just to be angry at Tyrion. He murdered her father. She suspects him of murdering her son. Um, but she's on full Valonqar alert and she's hiring people like, like there's a price for you can bring a dwarf's head to king's landing and get like a couple gold dragons for it and she's she's searching for him she's got assassins out looking for him uh so he's the the very popular theory um also Tyrion has choked the life out of a woman before uh in, in, in both the show and the book so it's not like you know him wrapping his hands around throats and choking is uh he's got some experience but it's like what Cersei expects is kind of like the plain reading of the of the prophecy. Um, so a lot of people found it unsatisfying. There's a couple other candidates. Uh, Jamie, mm-hmm. Jamie is technically Cersei's younger brother because she popped out of their mother first, like by by several minutes. So uh, he also and you better believe she plays that card all the time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm I'm the oldest Jamie. What the fuck do you What yeah. the fuck do you know? Uh, so. That would obviously pretty be pretty dramatically satisfying, right? You know. This, oh yeah, absolutely. It's the only woman he's ever really loved, uh, and he has kind of adored her, and he's done a lot of bad things, kind of in her name to protect the relationship. Uh, him choking the life out of her for would 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 pay off dramatically in, in a lot of obvious ways. Mm-hmm. Um, then if we go outside the the actual literal little brother, like little brother to the Cersei, you've got the Hound. Uh, he's the little brother to, of course, Gregor Clegane. Uh, he's on the roughly the good guy's side. Um, but is there any dramatic satisfaction to the Hound choking Cersei? I don't think so. No. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he it would it would be no more or less important uh, to him than any of the other people that he's probably murdered over the course of his life. How about Bran? Bran's a little brother. Yeah, I mean, aren't fifty percent of all siblings younger? Bro- well, no, I guess roughly twenty five percent. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. There are a lot of damn out. little brothers on this planet. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. As, as far as like being satisfying narratively, I just, I just don't see Bran, you know, mixing himself up in the sort of problems of or, or the solutions of mere mortals at this point. But you like, didn't, you didn't, you why didn't, is he going to choke Cersei to death? You didn't see the 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 line where he met the three eyed crow and he says, "Will I, will I, will I walk again?" He goes, "No, but you'll choke the shit out of Cersei Lannister." You didn't, you didn't hear that? Uh, maybe which, that was on the, which the, season? Maybe that's on the Blu rays. Is that is that five? That could have been a cut scene. Yeah, <laughs> probably was. I would imagine that's cut. Uh, now. Here is uh, an out there theory that a lot of people have been kind of um, banding about. Arya. 
and and there's two ways to look at this. Okay. Uh, we already have, and th- some of this gets in like biblical numerology bullshit. Oh it's like, boy. Uh, because uh, Azor Ahai, we know that that was possibly mistranslated because it refers to dragons, and dragons are sexless, and therefore it's not necessarily the prince that was promised, but it could have been the princess that was promised. Uh, well, this is another word that could have been translated. Maybe everything's as loosey goosey and 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 uh, is 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 not supposed to be gendered, and maybe this could be a uh, a female or uh, in addition to being a male. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, that's it's like if you think that Martin's going to play the same linguistic trick twice, then, <laughs> you know, that's fine. Um, but there's also the possibility that Ari is wearing a little brother's face. Sure. And that is where things get interesting. If Jamie dies and she takes his face or if Tyrion dies and she takes his face and chokes the shit out of Cersei because she's obviously on her list. Well, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. So everybody is theorizing, you know, coming up with the coolest ideas they can think of and then putting them out there on the Internet and then everybody latches onto them and goes, yes, this is this is super cool mm-hmm. because, you know, it's not just the plain reading of it. It's yeah. not just the way it could go. D- by doing that, don't we sort of diminish the reveal of that? I mean, the the goal, it seems like what the Internet wants is something they can't think of but that's not possible they, they, they want something that's hidden in plain sight but yet mm-hmm. no one on the internet can think of and put on the internet so that everyone knows it and yet george martin and the double d's are supposed to be able to come up with this on, yeah. their, and on then, their own and every once in a while that happens and that's the gold standard that everyone chases um good luck but i mean and, and some this people... series has been so analyzed sure. that sure. i find it almost impossible uh, to believe that that's going to happen. Uh, and some people think that, um, that well, since this wasn't in the show, that's telling that it's not going to be that important to the plot. And I'm like, I don't know, because I would be... If if George ever get, finishes these books and the person that kills Cersei Lannister is different in the show than the books, I, that w- that's one of the like, bullet points I don't think he would like. I, I think he's pretty fucking satisfied with how that works out in his head, and he's just mm-hmm. trying to get there. Like It would shock me if... like. Tyrion strangles him in one book, and Bran, and, and Bran strangles him, strangles her in, in the TV show. So even though it's not in the TV show, I think you can still it's, it's valid to, to look at this prophecy in the book and say, like, well, to the extent that this is informing George's opinion. Yeah. Now it could also be that uh, George is trying to make the point that um, a lot of this prophecy is kind of self fulfilled, like Cersei's. Uh, maniacal focus on avoiding these prophecies coming true is in large part caused the conditions that have allowed her children to die and her brothers to hate her and all these other things. So it's like it could be that like it doesn't even this last part that hasn't come true yet won't ever. And the joke is that, you know, if if, if Cersei had not let this prophecy dominate her life, you know, she, she would have been better off and none of this would have a tragedy befell her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, any other thoughts on the Valencar before we have another Jamie tangent? I do think, um, I guess that Arya is a good compromise, you know, between something that we can't think of, but something that's awesome. Yeah, Arya uh, wearing a face. Yeah. I think there's going to be at least one more of the, because uh, we leaves. know she has to check off that list, right? And, and, or at and, least Cersei off that list. And, and, so and, and to murder- do it with someone's face, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. who's important to her and it would be meaningful. Yeah. I think that that makes it worthwhile. And she did it with the phrase, but like to me, that's, I mean, I, this isn't a trick in the same way, like, like a plot device trick. Like it, it's, it's no more a trick than Brienne being really good with her sword. You know, it's like, Oh, well, Brienne won a fight with a sword. What's the odds of George going to have her win another fight with the sword? Like, very high. That's Brienne's thing. Uh-huh. Arya's thing is she's this blood fueled magic ninja, so she's going to do blood fueled magic ninja shit in this last season. And st- ripping off uh, Daddy Frey's face is just like a, f- a foregleam of that. Oh, I know? would do face stuff all the time. Oh, yeah, just to all fuck with the people. time. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to kill whoever's face I wanted, <laughs> which is a downside, admittedly, but. I don't imagine, know. imagine if you get a hold of Ramsey's face, and every oh. every morning at the breakfast table, Theon comes down, and, and Arya's sitting yeah. there wiggling a sausage at him. Like <laughs> Arya's a real dick sometimes. I don't know if Sansa would stand for that. <laughs> uh, before we move on to other topics, I want to do a little bit of bald move housekeeping here because there's a lot of stuff we're doing. Some of it in connection to Game of Thrones. Uh, for example, we have a super serious film fest fantasy that's going on right now, where we're picking each week a different. 
uh, movie, classic movies from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early aughts, uh, a fantasy movie involving swords and dragons and magic. This week's is Conan the Barbarian. We had a lot of fun. For club members, we actually do a live watch of the movie with uh, commentary by Jim and I, and we also do a deep dive into the po- uh, to the movie on our podcast. You can find that on the Bald Movies uh, feed. If you go to iTunes or Google Play or your favorite podcast app and search for Bald Movies, they'll come right up. Uh, please subscribe to that if you want to get uh, if you want to enjoy a fantasy movie experience along with us. Uh, we also don't forget have exclusive uh, house snow pin designs at pin ycom uh, You can show your allegiance to the King of the North, the once and future King of Westeros, perhaps uh, by going to pin Y and check it out. The house snow we know nothing pins. Uh, don't forget, uh, I wrote two books. I'm going to be referring to them throughout the, probably this fucking podcast series, <laughs> godsofthrones.com. If you'd like to get a copy, there's direct links to the Amazon stuff in our show notes. And we are also on twitch.tv, twitch.tv slash bald move. Jim and I do like our TV prep where we watch like trailers and decide what we're going to be talking about on bald move TV each week. And Cecily and I play Mario games and Jim's plays games that are occasionally we're trying to get like uh, some some three and four people things going. So if that sounds good, go to twitch.tv slash bald move sub so you know when we go online uh, because we don't have like the strictest schedule. Uh, but uh, some people have asked about that, and we're having a pretty good time doing it. Twitch.tv slash baldmove. Mike R., uh, would it be crazy if Jamie's art came full circle and he went from Kingslayer to Queenslayer, taking out both father and daughter? She's already uh, showing several mad queenish tendencies. Jamie impaling her with some Valerian steel from behind would open up the path for John to take his rightful seat on the throne with a clear conscience. John's already proven he's incapable of killing a woman he loves, no matter the warranting circumstances. It would be awesome to see Jamie get to protect an honorable king for once while finally serving with a sense of honor himself. Um, I mean, he can become the queen slayer just by killing. Like if he's if he mm-hmm. ends up being a Valon card, then he's got all he's got the the whole set: king, queen, and kinslayer. Mm. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Uh, well, he, he tried to go for the the yeah. quad kill yeah. with Bran, but it just didn't quite work out for him. Yeah, I do think if, if yeah, he tried to he he, well, he, only, he only half killed him. He only, yeah. he only killed the feeling uh, below his belly button. <laughs> um, whatever part of him was human. Do you think that? Like I, I think that if if Danny turns out to be some kind of mad queen evil person, that the odds of Jamie being the one killer are pretty high mm-hmm. because it just does make so much dramatic sense. It's so satisfying, yeah, yeah dramatically and narratively. Like him, him by uh, killing the father, him killing the daughter, then both turning rogue and like being bad for the people. Uh, I, like I said, I don't think there's a really high chance that Danny's. I think Danny's going to be tested in that way in the same way mm-hmm. like Luke Skywalker was tested, but I think she's going to. Unlike, like, what's the opposite of uh, um, I'm not a crazy person like my father before me? Because, <laughs> uh, you, know, Je- you know, Luke reaffirmed that he's a Jedi. If Danny did that, she'd reaffirm she's a crazy person. So, <laughs> um, so we'll see. Like I said, if this goes down like that, then the chances of, of, of that would be high. But I just don't think the chances of her going mad are, are all particularly high. I saw the best theory I saw kind of online, best new theory, um, was posted on Reddit's uh, A Song of Ice and Fire forum, r slash A-S-O-A-I-A-F. It's uh-huh. A Song of Ice and Fire, This it's and, and I'm dyslexic, uh, sue me, uh, by Coupon. And it was entitled, My Night King is Not Stupid Theory. Okay? Uh, so his... his what what he has to say is when the army of the undead line up for the battle of Winterfell, the Night King and his zombie dragon will not be there. Instead, he will already be flying to his next target, King's Landing. Uh, so the theory is essentially that the Night King is going to fork his forces. He's going to take the army of the dead and meet John and Danny head on at Winterfell. But because he knows that if he takes his dragon there, his 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 uh, his weapon of mass destruction, it's going to be a two on one dragon on dragon. And he's got a presumably very flammable dragon now, uh, like one little lick of dragon fire. And this thing's going to go up like the Hindenburg. Uh, and the Night King knows this. So what he's going to do is he's going to let 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 his army, the dead, grind out the living and this army of attrition. And then he's going to sack King's Landing just with himself and the dragon and then turn another huge undead army. So the horror facing John and Danny is ultimately emerging bloodied and victor- but victorious at Winterfell and realizing they have to do it all over again at King's Landing. Yeah. I, the, the only thing I don't like about that is that Cersei's at King's Landing. 
And it's not satisfying if the Night King on a dragon takes Cersei out. I, okay. She would have to escape King's Landing uh, and come maybe crawling back to the armies of Winterfell and say, yep, yeah, well, I fucked up. Uh, let's do this thing. And then someone kill her there. I I kind of thought that, but the more I thought about it, the more I kind of liked the fact that Cersei was so sure that she could just sit in, uh, in King's Landing and let everybody else do their, her fighting for them. Uh, yeah, it's it's fine from that perspective, but I think like and then everything we talked about with the Valonqar, everything we've talked yeah. about with narrative uh, satisfaction from Jamie or Arya, like all of that is lost in there. What if I told you the Night King was the little brother <laughs> of the first child of the forest? Okay, uh-huh. and he's got a real axe I'm to back grind. on board. He's got a real axe to grind against I'm older not. sisters. Yeah, not as satisfying for me. I'm not saying it won't go that way. It's just not as narratively dramatically satisfying. Um, There's a couple of things that um, there's a couple. So this theory isn't just it's not just your normal run of the mill. Wouldn't it be cool? He actually has a couple of textual and visual supports here. Um, And during season four, Bran was going north to meet the the three eyed crow in the first place. There's a scene where he touches a weirwood and he's treated to all these crazy visions one of them is a, a destroyed th- throne room, and there's a, a massive shadow of a dragon that passes over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could also be living dragons. Could it's also not, be living, yeah. but, but also the, showing the shadow is kind of brilliant because if they showed mm-hmm. the dragon itself, we could be like, well, that's not the un- that's not undead Viserion. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the shadow kind of keeps it ambiguous. Also, uh, when Danny goes to the House of the Undying in season two at the climax of the "Where are my dragons?" plot. Mm-hmm. She has a series of crazy images. One of them is a destroyed throne room where there is either ash or snow falling. Yeah. Um, and so like that, again, if it's snow, it could be, you know, that would mean that winter has advanced all the way to King's Landing by the end of this. And so mm-hmm. this is one way it could work out. Also, um, interesting note that if, if we really analyze that vision literally, Danny like reaches for the Iron Throne, but comes short just short of touching it <laughs> and you know you know what the iron throne is covered in ash well if it's snow <laughs> it's covered in snow okay aka john snow <laughs> aka Aegon targaryen aka the rightful king of winter uh-huh yeah winterfell uh westeros westeros fell sure rename the whole damn continent to to to, to he's no longer going to be king's land is going to be winteros it's going to be uh winter or westeros fell <laughs> oh boy uh, I, so I thought that was I, again. I don't. I I think that it's going to have a, be a more conventional thing than that. But I, it would be kind of cool if they did that kind of faint. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right. There's a there's a couple weaknesses of it just thematically. Uh, but we'll which see. isn't. I know this bittersweet idea mm-hmm. uh, kind of throws all that into confusion. Right. You don't right. have to have the most satisfying thing. Right. Uh, if it's bittersweet, you can also have some things that are dissatisfying. So who knows. Uh, I next I so I got together with Anthony, the guy uh, who helped me write, or we we co-authored the Gods of Thrones book together because we were going to do like this thing where we get together and talk some topics and record like five minutes of stuff and put it in a podcast. But um, had some problem with the audio. The audio on my end sounded like I was a Terminator gargling acid. So I'm not going to be able to drop it in there, but I'm, I want to summarize the points because I thought there's some interesting things um, that tie in some of the lore aspects that 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 tie in with this this episode. Because this introduced the idea that Danny's dragons don't like the North, um, and something that Anthony and I did, found out in our research and our discussion of uh, Fire and Blood that we did last year, uh, George Martin's new Targaryen history is. Danny's not the first Targaryen queen that took her mount to her dragons to the Wall. Uh, there's Queen Alysanne, uh, who took her dragons on kind of a tour of a kingdom, the kingdom, and she went to stay at Castle Black um, as the guest of the Black Brothers and kind of showed off the dragons. And I'm just going to I'm just going to quote from Fire and Blood here. It says the men of the Night's Watch were as thunderstruck by the Queen's dragon as the people of White Harbor had been, though the Queen herself noted that Silverwing, Silverwing, which is her dragon, quote unquote, does not like this wall. Though it was summer and the wall was weeping, the chill of the ice could still be felt whenever the wind blew, and every gust would make the dragon hiss and snap. Uh, The queen says, Thrice I flew Silverwing high above Castle Black, and thrice I tried to take her north beyond the wall, Alisane wrote to uh, Jaehaerys, her uh, husband, the king. But every time she veered back south again and refused to go, 
Never before has she refused to take me where I wished to go. I laughed about it when I came down again, so the Black Brothers would not realize anything was amiss, but it troubled me then, and it troubles me still. Hmm. Now, the context of this being released, George actually published this a month or two before the book came out on his Not A Blog, Germ's Not A Blog, uh, at the end of September, but this was after the show took the dragons north of the wall. Yeah, that was the first thing that popped in my head. So, <laughs> it's been done. Now, there's, so, so, so what, there, there's a couple of interesting possibilities if we try to take this holistically. That, like, Gurm had in one of his bullet points that maybe the closer you get to the Night's King or the closer you get to the wall, the closer you get to the north, that the dragons, like, power is going to reduce. Because, you know, a lot of people have pointed out, well, Dane's got dragons, the Night King's got an army that's made out of balsa wood soaked in gasoline this is not going to be a contest but if the dragons have some kind of weakness uh that would like sap their strength or energy maybe that would make them put the put the fight on a fair footing and this is the double d's trying to introduce that concept um, yeah but there, there was no weakness shown um, no not previously. as far as i can tell yeah it's just I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to square the circle between what because because the other thing is it's entirely possible that george had something in there and then he continues to garden it now sure there's like, yeah there's like a two-way magical barrier the night king can't come south and the dragons can't come north it's like that old do you remember when mcdonald's had this the sandwich that came in this massive styrofoam container and it had it had a bun and the hot dog on one side and then the other bun and all of the like vegetables on the other and its marketing gimmick was it keeps the hot side hot and the cold side cold no <laughs> so the wall is a giant styrofoam container keeping the mm-hmm. hot side hot and the cold side cold um the other is that like i don't know um that that because it's, it's kind of a dick move for for george to use this to publicize his book and it's essentially a canonical fact dragons cannot fly north of the wall yeah the show fucked up guys yeah is what he's saying and i don't know because i've heard a bunch of <laughs> i've heard a bunch of different ways whether like you know the D and george's relationship is kind of frosted mm-hmm. uh what and, and 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 maybe it's not even fraud maybe just awkward because everybody's kind of bummed out but like I don't know. You you see stuff like that, and you kind of wonder. Um, but it could be that, like, because because you know we suggest we suggested Danny's dragons are missing their brothers, or maybe they just don't like the cold because they're creatures of fire. But it it could be that maybe there is some kind of long term weakness that's being split here. Maybe that's why the Night King lured them north of the wall because he knew they'd be weakened enough that he could spear one and snag it. I I, I don't know. I'm speculating, but yeah, uh, that's one point I want to talk about. Also. One of her last chapters in her Gods of Thrones book is called The Weirdification of Bran Stark, and we delve into some psychological research and theories of the mind. Um, I mean, we, I think it's, it's not controversial to say that what we call our consciousness or like the person of Jim and Aaron is essentially the sum total of our memories, right? If, if your memories were completely wiped, would you be the same person? I'm sure we'll get a philosophy student writing in uh, I hope so. to tell us where we're wrong on that. I hope but so. But that sounds a reasonable assumption, sure. You, you need to buy the book so you can quote chapter and verse so you can really show us up. That would be <laughs> – that'd be. I don't want anybody to do that. would be hell for me. But um, so, so if a person is a collection of memories and if your memories were wiped, you wouldn't be the same person – that Bran is kind of like the, the the exact opposite of that. That Bran has, if we understand his situation correctly, all human and potentially all humanoid memory of Westeros going back to like the literal dawn of time, like the children's memories, the giants' mm-hmm. memories, any kind of sentient creature that's been mur- that's 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 done things in witness of the Weirwood Network or whose green seers have merged with the Weirwood Network. And, like, that Bran's weird affect is a result of, like, he's not Bran anymore. He's, like, everyone yeah. all the time, constantly. And maybe the more he accesses those memories and right. and understands them, the less Bran he becomes. Yeah. And the fact, also, that those green seers may still be... Because there's, there's points in the book where there's a warg that dies while he is inside. Like, they call it this, their yeah. second life, that you merge with your consciousness as you die. And you, 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 your consciousness is kind of trapped as a ghost inside this animal until it dies. Um, but in the Weirwood, in, in the books, the Weirwood are immortal. Like, unless you cut one down, a Weirwood will never die. If you do cut them down, the Weirwood bark, or uh, the bark and wood never rots. It's like this, like, semi-magical property. So in these Weirwood trees, these, these ghosts could just be echoing around. There's just like this sea of ghosts echoing forever in these trees. And another reason for, uh, for Bran to be uh, cr- weird. You can start making some bridges out of that stuff. 
I yeah. If it never rots, let's yeah. do that. I, I feel like it's one of those things where like uh, the the Andals and the First Men should have been a lot more circumspect about what they cut down and just burnt. Uh huh. It's it's like uh, I don't know if everyone destroyed all the uranium in the Earth five hundred years ago. It's like fuck. This was really important. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, if you if you if you like that, uh, there's a lot more of stuff like that and uh, GodsOfThrones.com, and there's links to purchase the books in the show notes. All right. Uh, I decided not, I'm not going to do a stealth ad. I'm just going to try to value add content. Hmm. I'm going to try to do to do the stuff the quote unquote right way. Uh, okay, back to some more feedback. Leslie T uh, has a couple of thoughts after she listened to our various podcasts, kicking things off. And uh, one spoiler from a few years ago, a listener asked you guys how many of the leader White Walkers there were. Aaron mentioned that the most we'd ever seen in one episode were. Uh, uh, where Craster's baby was turned, he noted that there were either 12 or 13. In another podcast, Aaron explained the story of the last hero to Jim, mentioning that the last hero... So this is uh, one of the various Azora High theories across the globe of Planetos. Uh, mentioning that the last hero had 12 companions when he juried, journeyed north during the long night. Uh, during Season 6, Episode 5, Bran sees the children of the forest create the first White Walker, and the actor playing that man looks a lot like the actor who plays the Night King. In fact, it's the same actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not sure, or I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first person to make these connections, but could the Night King and his other leaders be the last hero, a.k.a. Azora High, and his companions? Could he have been cursed by the Night King until the next long night, and now he is looking for his replacement, or he's coming for Jon Snow? We had kind of a related theory that we talked on the podcast about um, essentially that that would be kind of like uh, the the Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That Orlando Bloom was cursed to become the captain of the, what was it, the Davy, Davy Jones ship. Uh, that's, that's almost sort of like, it, it's sort of based on the outcome that mm-hmm. we're assuming of this, but I kind of like that theory. Um, Based on my limited knowledge of you know the books, and you can see like that that's uh, that was kind of a theme of the Matrix that Neo was supposed to really like merge back to the Matrix so that then another Neo yeah. a Neo could form like these this idea of these eternal cycles that you don't understand and you find out that you're just playing a very small part you instead of being the the clockmaker you're just a cog in a machine that's pretty well worn fantasy and and uh, sci fi trope um, and it can mm-hmm. be done really great or it can be done really bad. Yeah. Um, but I, again, that would be another bittersweet thing if at the end of this, like they've 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 emerged victorious, but by because of some kind of metaphysical rule, John has to inhabit this Night King persona, this mantle, if you will, and retreat back to the north for thousands of years and leave Danny and everybody behind. Um, yeah, but specifically about you know the last hero and his twelve cronies yeah. uh, going up north, never being heard from again, looking yeah. very similar to the Night King. I yeah. feel like that could be a pretty solid lead on who the Night King is. Yeah, uh, what what he wants, I don't. We don't exactly know at this point, but right. yeah, maybe he wants John yeah. as his replacement or something. Yeah, um, and you know. It just depends on how they do that, whether that'd be cool or not. But I mm-hmm. could see it. I'm actually starting to feel like 50-50, it might go something like that, where hmm. both John and Danny survive, but John is transformed, and he's going to be separated from the wor- world of men. But we'll see. Uh, Janessa C. On Instagram, I came across a post of all the episodes that rewatched before season eight, according to the uh, writer Brian Cogman. Uh, season two, episode nine, Blackwater, was on that list. And at the 1443 mark, a light bulb went off. So I, I paused her email there, and I started this episode, and I played it. And what the scene is referring to is Varys provides Tyrion with a map of what is said to be 50 miles of underground tunnels crisscrossing underneath and in and out of King's Landing. And Varys suggests yeah. that this could be used to that the Targaryens intended this to be used to survive any siege or, Varys said, provide a method of escape. Uh, as far as we know, Tyrion still has this map, and this is something that Game of Thrones has done before, like sneak in the back door, sneak in through the cisterns, mm-hmm. or I knew that... Like, it could be that this is one of Tyrion's last moments... Of, uh, well, not last moments, a, a, a crowning moment of cleverness where they invade King's Landing through these tunnels. He needs one. He definitely needs one. <laughs> um, what, what's your what's your what's your thought on that? Because yeah, I mean they have they have used you know sort of it, it's it's not really a Chekhov's kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because it doesn't start immediately in Act 1. Although I guess you could say Season 2 of this series is kind of Act 1 for the whole thing. Um, so maybe it is a checkoff thing. But, yeah, they, they've done this kind of stuff before, right? They did it with the Dragon Glass. They did right. it with... Uh, fuck, oh, I can't remember... I can't remember another instance, but definitely the Dragon Glass. Uh, so it's not out of their wheelhouse, and you know, storytelling in general uses this kind of thing all the time. I, the only thing is, I, I think it's it's so they've used it a lot. Like uh, you know, Dario just happens to know the back door of the city that him and Grey Worm and Jorah can sneak in and unlock the gate, and Tyrion just happens to know the sister. Oh yeah, of, as far as getting into a place secretly, yeah, sure, through but. secret thing. It's like. Unlike the, you know, like I said, the, 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 unlike the Brienne using her sword and, and Arya using her skills as a, a blood ninja, like, I feel like this is a little bit too much of the same. Like, it's a very particular technique, and it's a, it's mm. used by a bunch of different people in a bunch of different circumstances, and Tyrion at least once before, so that's the only reason I would. Uh, but otherwise, like, I did, because the, the other obvious thing about why Brian would say that um, is that the wildfire is going to be a big part of it. Hmm. Like the Cersei, and we talked about, like, will Cersei take everybody out with a big wildfire inferno? Yeah. Like, why else would you show the Blackwater? Except mm-hmm. for that's the horrifying effects of, of uh, wildfire seen for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Brian S. wonders, could the Double D still pr- surprise us with a Lady Stoneheart twist? I think we could all agree that everyone's kind of bummed that Lady Stoneheart never made it onto the show. There is a scene in the trailer where it looks like Arya is running through the hallways of Winterfell with a terrified look on her face. What if the Night King makes his way into Winterfell and he awakens Catelyn Stark in her crypt? I feel like resurrecting Arya's mother might be the one thing to scare the shit out of her and then pay homage to the books, uh, but puts an unexpected twist on the Lady Stoneheart character. What happened to her body? I don't think, yeah. In- the show, I don't think, has really gone into that. Yeah, I don't think that they've ever established that she made it back to... Unlike Ned... Ned, we know, did. They shipped back, and we actually saw his wagon making it to the north, and he does have a crypt down there. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't know. In in the books, uh, her body is drugged from the Trident River by Nymeria, Arya's wolf, Mm -hmm. and Arya sees all this through a dream, and then uh, Beric Dondarrion finds a... And breathes his life into her. He dies, and then uh, Lady Catelyn arises as this horrifying kind of vengeance zombie yeah which would have been cool i'm so bummed we didn't get ladies Stoneheart, but which, which would have been cool uh yes yeah, so i don't think catelyn's a uh super likely possibility but ned yeah i was thinking certainly he is. should just be bones but like uh an undead ned stark would be pretty fucking terrifying yeah yeah i wonder how that works when you're beheaded <laughs> i don't know because <laughs> That's a tough thing yeah. to operate. Uh, I guess you just tuck the head under your your arm and I go. I mean, I've seen Legend of Sleepy Hollow. I yeah. kind of know how it goes. Yeah. Um, I, I think that um, the, the thing is, is there's lore in in that, that all the kings of the north and the lords of the north, um, their crypts have these like stone statues of them with these iron swords across their lap. And it's said in the books that that's to ward off evil spirits and to contain the restless spirits within the tombs. And it... I don't know how because you know this is all magic and spiritual bullshit, but like mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a kind of thing in fantasy that iron does disrupt. Like iron and running water is just like the devil for magic uh, and 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 spirits and vampires and things like that. So there's the idea that maybe I feel like that's uh, that's a metaphor. Yeah, how yeah so? for technology in general, oh, yeah, you're like not right. dispelling you're not the old own. myths essentially. Because water but, was like the first form of like uh, non-human power. Yeah, uh, and like irrigation brought you know civilization essentially. Yep. Yeah, and then the Iron Age, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the mastery of technology over over uh, superstition, basically. Yeah, I like that. But the idea is that, that that custom came from the fact that the Night King would come and resurrect all your dead people, <laughs> and and they go rampage through castles. So like, we better bury his swords across their lap so yeah. that, that shit doesn't happen anymore. Um, so there's a Makes there's sense. a point in its favor, point not in its favor. Moving on to Jared C. Has there any been anyone else in the history of Westeros uh, who has had a Stark Targaryen blood line besides John? That's some powerful mojo. Is there anyone with a bloodline from two powerful houses like that? Um, so I actually looked this up and there has never been a Targaryen married to a Stark before in the dance of dragons, uh, Prince, uh, Jaceris Valerian 
flew to Winterfell to gain an alliance with House Stark, and he promised a Targaryen princess uh, to marry Cregan's son and heir, but that never came to pass because of the events of Dance. So hmm. that's the only in- instance where it almost happened. There's another instance, which is kind of really interesting. Uh, Aegon the Unworthy... Uh, fathered a whole bunch of what they called great bastards out of wedlock where he just impregnated you know ladies of standing uh and then he did the unthinkable which is he legitimized them all in his deathbed which mm-hmm. caused it just a giant fucking uh civil war between the targaryens trying to fight over the iron throne uh one of the great bastards he fought he fathered off of um a lady from a great house, uh, the, the Blackwoods, which are Northerners, and they're descendants of the First Men. And that person became Brendan Rivers, a.k.a. Blood Raven, a.k.a. the Three-Eyed Crow. So the only mingling of First hmm. Men and Targaryen blood produced the most powerful green seer in the history of ever, until perhaps Bran Stark. So there's a lot of Chosen One. <laughs> a lot of juice. A lot, a lot of Chosen lot One of juice bubbling inside uh, John. Huh. Slash Aegon. So there you go. Uh, Jazz W, do you think we'll finally get some Tyrion saddle building now that John is a full uh, out dragon rider? Is that where the where do I hold on comment is going? I mean, that would be my first request when I get back to Winterfell. Yeah. It's like, I, I need something. If I'm going to keep riding this thing, you can't just be holding on by these flappy horns. You got to right. build something. Yeah, I would, one of the interesting interesting things in a Fire and Blood series is that canonically the the Targaryens all no no one bareback dragons. They all had elaborate saddle systems. In fact, there was a system of chains, and you wore a harness, so you chained yourself into the the, the, the dragon seat. So if the dragon did barrel rolls and shit like that, you wouldn't fall off. Yeah, um, especially in battle. Yeah, yeah, and there's a really cool scene of the Dance of Dragons where two dragon riders were fighting overhead, and one of them like unchained himself and leapt. From one dragon back to impale the other with a sword. Holy shit. Dothraki uh, got nothing on that. Yeah, it was pretty epic. <laughs> uh, and everyone died at the, <laughs> at okay. the end of that particular spoiler alert. Um, but I, yeah, I think it seems like it'd be very hard to to win that, in, like like a, a, any kind of intense aerial battle or do some kind of... Like, uh, Danny's kind of gotten lucky that she hasn't been thrown from Drogon's back. Mm-hmm. And Saddles would fix all that. And yeah. Tyrion's good at making them, so... Uh, do you think we're, uh, do you think we'll get Tyrion on a dragon? At this point, no. Because man, when there th- were still three dragons on Danny's side, yeah. it was a possibility, but not anymore. There was a point where he was uh, getting to know the Danny's dragons and Marine, where I thought, uh, you know, the fact that they didn't roast him and kind of accepted them, and yeah. uh, that 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 they were heading towards that, and I got so excited. But now, unless Danny dies or goes crazy, and and uh, it's it's Tyrion and John. That would uh-huh. feel really weird for them to hijack her dragons. Though. It would, yeah, kind of dirty. I don't, I don't want that to happen. I feel like, yeah, she, like they took her kids. Like they're the, they, they filed a false report and got her kids taken away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although to be fair, she did take her children unsupervised up to the north and got one of them dra- zombified. So maybe, maybe DPS, the Dragon Protection ser- Services, <laughs> need to step in there. Uh, Steve G. What role, if any, do you think Baby Sam will play in the war against the Night King? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Baby Sam has any role, but I could be wrong. If, I'm if, open to it. All right. Well, here's, that, <laughs> here, here's the line of thinking of old Steve, uh, or young Steve, middle-aged Steve. Steve for all seasons. If you recall that while G- Sam, Gilly, and the baby were on their way south uh, to the wall from Crasser's Keep, the White Walkers were hunting them down with a specific, well, I'll say seemingly specific goal of reclaiming Craster's baby which they had uh, been denied his offering. Considering the fact that the White Walkers don't try to White Walkerify every human they come in contact with, because they're usually trying to kill humans, who most of the time return as whites, this would lead you to believe that somehow someone, uh, some babies are more valuable than others, correct? Will it be a goal of the White Walkers to reclaim baby Sam during their march south as they were cheated out of their uh, offering? most likely in accordance to some pact that's already been much discussed. With so little time left, I'm not sure the Double Ds will go this direction, but I would love to see what's so valuable about these babies as opposed to adult humans. I mean, it is really weird that they have not paid off the turning of the baby scene yet. Yeah. Or at least in my opinion, they haven't. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a it's a kind of cool scene to see on its own, but what does it tell us about the White Walkers? It, you know... Uh, more generally and i 
can't believe they haven't paid that off. So maybe, yeah. Like, it, I guess it would be weird if he'd been chasing the Night King had been chasing that baby the whole time, not yeah. Bran. But and the longer we get, the more like a flashback that would explain that there's this ancient pact, and the first men are supposed to give some children, and that was the only way the the White Walkers can procreate. And we know procreation is like the most important thing you can do uh, if if you're a, if you're a, a, a creature, if you reproduction is important. So I'm saying, uh, at least it's always been to me. Uh, I, I I don't know. I I think there's there's definitely something there. It's just, boy, I I, I feel like that was tracks laid when they had when 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 Martin's bullet points were further in the future, and they were like, oh well, yeah, this will all make sense when Winds of Winter and Dream of Spring comes out, and they never came out, and they're like, ah, oh, fuck, we have. I'll uh, I'll let I'll let uh, Martin build that bridge and prune that garden. I'm just going to just going to to do my own thing here. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Before we get to the next uh, point, the next email, I want to tell everybody about our club and the fact that we are running a 25% off annual membership for our club sale. Now, club.baldmove.com is your way to get a bunch of extra audio and video content, including video versions of most of our podcasts. It's the quickest way you can get them. Ad-free versions of the feeds, uh, special bonus things like our with our Super Serious Film Fest Fantasy, we're doing live watches and providing commentary for all the movies we're watching. Uh, there's uh, special features like Lunch with Jim and Aaron. Just, just tons of bonus content. If you go to club.baldmove.com, uh, you can sign up for a year of membership and get 25% off, which entitles you to participate in the Instant Talk podcast that we do every Sunday night right after Game of Thrones. That's pretty cool. Uh, also, this is the first club sale that we have that is open to existing club members. So if you'd like to extend, lock in some savings and extend your membership uh, for up to five years, you can do so by going to club.baldmove.com and saving 25% off a fabulous uh, club.baldmove.com membership. Thank you for your support in advance. Dave, with Harry Strickland and the Golden Company now being introduced, I've been thinking of their role in the book series. I haven't finished a fourth to fifth books yet, but I am up on the goings on. Varys and Illyrio at some point communicate with the Golden Company in the faux Aegon plot. Do you think Varys has already reached out to the Golden Company in the show universe? To what end? I can only guess with Varys. I'm just curious if that connection has crossed your minds. So do Certainly you, not mine, because I'm not super familiar with this material. Do you, do, shall I recount it? That'd be great, yeah. Okay, so remember we're talking about the Blackfire and the Blackfire Rebellion because Aegon, the unworthy, religionized all his bastards. Well, the Blackfires mm. lost, and they got uh, the ones that were able to escape the, the wrath of the, the, the victorious king uh, were exiled to Essos. And one of the uh, guys whose nickname was Blackfire founded the Golden Company. Actually, no, his name is Bittersteel. I'm sorry. His nickname is Bittersteel. He founded the Golden Company, and they were behind several... There were several Blackfire rebellions because they kept coming at it and kept going at it. Uh, so uh, this the, the, the Golden Company was kind of founded under that principle, and there's a lot of theories about like why Illyrio, Illyrio and Varys are doing this. Um, because if I go back and kind of briefly talk about the history of Illyrio and Varys... Uh, Illyrio tells tells Tyrion that they met uh, when they were both much younger in one of the free cities, and Varys was like a pickpocket and a thief, and uh, and and uh, Illyrio was a sellsword, and they had this thing where Varys would steal uh, important jewelry and, and artifacts from great houses, and then Illyrio would make a big show of being hired, and I know how to get yeah. this, and, and he would go and return their property, and they'd make money on, on, on both ends of that proposition. Uh, then they decided that the real valuable things to steal were secrets. So Varys would start stealing accountant books and diaries and things like that, and start and, and with Illyrio's help, blackmail um, so in the, what, what Illyrio says they're doing is they've got a, a Blackfire target or they, they have a Targaryen, um, uh, that they've been raising in secret. This is actually the, 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 the other Aegon son of Rhaegar, uh, that supposedly Gregor bashed the brains in during the Sack of King's Landing. The secret goes that that baby was secreted out and then carried across the, uh, the narrow sea and has been raised, um, by this other Targaryen loyalist to be like this perfect king. So it could be that Varys, just because he's loyal to the realm uh, and he wants what's best for the kingdom, has been secretly training this super king to come back and bring peace in the realm. Or 
as some people theorize, this is Varys and Illyrio just running the biggest rip and roll scam on the entire Seven Kingdoms, literally stealing mm. the kingdom and then selling it back to family for for power and riches. <laughs> um, so that's what's going on in the books. Obviously, in the show, none of this shit's happening. Mm. None of this shit is happening. It's much like the the Dornish plot with. Uh, uh, the Martells and what they were trying to do, like, like the, and the secret marriage pact with Daniel, like none of that shit's happening there. So yeah, I think the golden company is just a convenient source of, uh, the, the Lannisters to get a bunch of troops after all their shit got burnt on a battlefield. And you already have a mechanism to do that in the books and you have a, well, like, why not, why not take all the characters in the books and, 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 and instead of introducing and making up a bunch of new ones. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think there's going to be anything to that. Like, I mean, there's only five episodes left. Harry Strickland's going to, like, take his mask off and be like, I've been for the Targaryen. Like, I, 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 and the other thing is, like, these, these Blackfires, like, I don't think they want just any old Targaryen on the throne. That's one of the other theories is Aegon's actually not a real Targaryen. He's a Blackfire Targaryen. Um, so I think those are the problems with the theory. Yeah, I guess, like, my biggest question coming out of that is, do do you think that uh, Varys has already seen his end game, which is essentially to be uh, whether he survives or not is a different question. Mm-hmm. But like, as far as how high he's going to rise, what what impact he's going to have on the whole situation in the realm, do you think this is where he ultimately ended up on that sort of at Danny's side, fighting I... fighting for? a queen that could be good for the realm. I honestly don't know. I think, the, and I think the answer could definitely be different in the books than on the show. Yeah, like in the books, Varys could be a more devious, uh, selfish mm-hmm. character. And in the show, he could be more altruistic and, and loyal because it's story. It's not, he's a, as important as Varys is to the story. He's still a marginal character. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so they can like marginal characters. You can, you can fuck with their plots and stuff all the time. Uh, and, and right now he's in the margins, you know, yeah. he's doing what he can to help the realm, but he's also sort of in the margins. And I feel like that's where, Varys might end up, although he could have some hand in, you know, a character who I view as less, yeah. uh, sort of in the margins. Tyrion, yeah, yeah could yeah. have a hand with him uh, taking Tyrion to his end game. I don't think Tyrion's a mark because like anyone's got a POV chapter in the books yeah. is not marginal, right. and you know Varys doesn't. Tyrion does. I do think that there's this as a theme because the next uh, the next uh, email is the same thing. Jo- uh, Joseph S says any possibility that Dario plays a role in turning the Golden Company. <laughs> Uh, or do you think he stayed where he's told? I feel like there's some tension in the fans that expect there has to be like some way to deal with this golden company. Like it has to, it, like they can't just be met in open battle. It's got to be Varys buying them off. It's got to be Dario doing the thing that he did with uh, the Sellsword Company in season two. It's got to be. It, it can't be. Um, it, it can't be some just just you know straightforward battle like they're 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 hmm. it, I, don't, I don't know why I don't, I don't know what got into the, the fans that makes them think that the golden company is some uber powerful i mean they're twenty thousand people so yeah. depending on how the battle of winterfell goes you might have that many dothraki yeah pretty left. easily plus yeah. unsullied plus dragons plus the northmen um plus mm-hmm. the knights of the veil like you've got Dan- I mean, it's the, co- the the combined might of all of Westeros that's left versus Danny and her hired cel- goons from Essos. So, mm-hmm. and they don't even have elephants. If they had elephants, I might take them seriously. Yeah. They got no yeah. elephants. I've heard about them, but... What kind of bullshit elephant can't survive like a day day sail across the narrow sea, too? That's the other thing I want to know. Yeah, the Dothraki did it. Fucking you paper mache elephants. So... Um, yeah, I, I, I think I don't think we're going to see Dario again. I don't think uh, I don't think that the Golden Company has to be hoodwinked or swayed or anything like that. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Marcelep, what is the likelihood that we'll see Howland Reed this season? I feel like the show made a point of mentioning him in the Tower of Joy, but we've not seen him since. It seems like he'd be a good eyewitness to help prove Bran and Sand's claims. Um, I think those claims are roughly proven. Yeah, um, who are we proving like, it to at this point? Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe the North. I, I don't know. It, I'm looking forward to seeing what the reaction of the Northerners is mm-hmm. to this new information that John now has. Uh, but John's convinced. Yeah, that's and the he's thing. the most important person mm-hmm. to convince. Right, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't really need any Howland Reed, but I, I get that it would be satisfying for the book people certainly. Yeah, it's just so weird because, like, I don't, like, Mira went to go be with her father. Uh, I don't expect to see her again, but that's mm-hmm. v- very odd to me. Um, 
And I don't because at this point, like if Helen Reed just like if some some weirdo old frog man marches into some battle towards the end of the series and like I'm Howlin' Reed, I will that be cool? Will that satisfy a book reader? Oh, and it doesn't have like an important role to play. Yeah, just he's sort just, of shows up to fight with, the battle with like him. Mira showing up would be meaningful. Uh-huh, yeah. Like you know, does she's here to support her old friends? Regard you know, like but but like Howlin' Reed himself, I don't. It's those weird things. Is like if you. If if you, it, it's kind of like the like like David Lynch's Dune movie. Um, if you don't if you, if if you have read the book Dune, you understand what's going on, but you're unlikely to be satisfied with the cliff notes. And if you haven't read Dune, then you just are fucking lost and bewildered. So who the fuck yeah. is the movie Dune made for? Like the people that just want to like take a hit of acid and kind of loosely be familiar with Herbert's work and just like oh yeah man. Uh, how cool to be if your name was a killing word. That'd be pretty sick. Uh, I feel like if you put Howlin' Reed just as like some figurehead of a battle, if, if you well, if you Harry Strickland yeah. him, uh-huh. it's going to just piss everyone off or conf- and confuse the rest. No, it's so weird because there the source material doesn't exist yet, but like the character does, so he kind right. of exists. And like normally, if you if you get okay, Howlin' Reed's back, and the, the book's been finished and everything, and and suddenly he shows up in the show, you're going to be like, okay, I know this and this about him. I understand these are some of the things that he does in the source material, so maybe I can look forward to some of that. And it's kind of a big moment with all the possibilities in your head. This is weird because Howlin' Reed shows up. Mm -hmm. There's there's nothing to get excited about other than that's a character I know from the book. Right. That's literally it. So why do it? Yeah, uh, I feel like the last chance we had to see Howland was on uh, the, the 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 High Sparrow because there was a cool theory that the High Sparrow in the books is secretly Howland Reed sent to like lead a guerrilla campaign against Cersei as this this faith militant. Yeah, they didn't do that. They didn't do that in the book, bu- and and I think that would have been a cool twist. Um, there was a lot of kind of textual support that that might be the case, but they obviously didn't do that in the series. So at this point, if you're going to get Howland Reed, he's he's it's going to be a last minute. I I, I look. There are ways you could probably do that, because uh, like uh, I'm trying to think of other things that seem kind of abrupt and out of nowhere. Oh, like in uh, was I can't remember which Lord of the Rings movie, but when Elrond kind of shows out of nowhere to give Aragorn his sword, like that came out of because like they're like, oh shit, we need this to happen, and it was supposed to happen this way in the books. We're like a we're like a book and a half past this. All right, fuck it. <laughs> Arwen will just ask her dad, and her dad will do it, and we'll have this like thirty-second scene of some elves doing some g- g- goofy, goofy smithing, and then he'll come and he'll just give it to Aragorn. It's like hmm. okay, but it kind of worked because whatever, and they didn't really make a big deal about you know, like it wasn't about the sword; it was more about Aragorn. So I just don't think you can do that with Howland Reed. So uh, Natalie A, or actually no, it's Nath- Nathalie A. Do you think the Red Priest and Priestess will come to the rescue at the end? They have been preaching about Azora High for the entire show, and sh- sh- there's several mentions of, you know, we've seen the Red Priest over in Essos and the Red Priestesses doing this preaching. Wouldn't it seem like they would want something to do with the war against the Night King? Yeah, and, and Melisandre has promised that she's going to have some business back in Westeros, so right. she's got to show up before the end of the series. Right. Uh, bef- uh, at some point, I can't remember how long we started doing this, but do you remember the Battles of Westeros game the that we used game? to play? The uh-huh. board game. Um, there was a scenario uh, with the Battle of the Blackwater. You kicked my ass every time. Melisandre is a beast in that game. Yeah, and and her units are called the Fiery Hand, and I remembered that, so I looked it up, and the Fiery Hand, uh, if I'm going to quote from a wiki of Ice and Fire, the Fiery Hand is a group of slave soldiers employed as guards for the Red Temple of R'hllor in the free city of Volantis. The Fiery Hand contains a thousand soldiers, never more and never less. Each of these soldiers is a slave dedicated to R'hllor. They wear ornate armor over their orange robes and wield spears with points shaped as writhing flames. As for the custom of Volantis, these slaves have flames tattooed across their cheeks. I think that'd be cool, but it's a thousand dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I kind of joked about it, but all with flaming swords. If they, that's what I'm uh. saying. Like, I kind of think if if they could introduce these priests, especially if they were like shooting fire themselves, and every one of these people had flaming spears, like these were literally flaming spears instead of just spears shaped like flames. Uh-huh. I, I think that'd be cool, and I also feel like they've done enough groundwork where they because so here's my here is my 
Here's the Aaron's philosophy for whether something can happen in a show or not. Can the double D's in a five second previously on clip show something and people go, oh, I know what that is. And I think if they show that, I can't remember her exact name, like Kina Vera or something. If they show one of these red priestesses we've met preaching and like gathering this large crowd in Essos, Mm -hmm. and then they later show these maniacs storming a beach, people could be like, ah, this is what all the preaching was about. They're they're raising this fanatical army, and now they're coming to the aid of what they perceive as their their savior figure. So I think they could do that in a five second previously on. Yeah, probably. Uh, do, do you think Dario might be a convert? Dario could be a red priest. <laughs> I mean, he's he worships <laughs> he worships the mother of dragons, and she might be the Lord of Light's champion. So could be. Um, That's how you not? get your Dario back coming coming back with Melisandre. Oh boy, can we? Can I'm wishing wishing mm-hmm. on a bleeding star oh, to yeah. get more. More Dario. <laughs> uh, Nicole K. Cersei sent Euron to Bravos to borrow from the Iron Bank and to hire the Golden Company. Now that Cersei has paid back the Iron Bank, they no longer have a financial imperative to maintain her rule. They're essentially free agents who could choose to invest or not invest wherever they wish. In the books, the Golden Company is started by a Blackfire Targaryen, and that's the crux of my theory. I do not think the Golden Company is there to fight for Cersei. I think they are hired by the Iron Bank to be a Trojan horse in King's Landing for Danny. The fact they are descendants of Targaryens is poetic justice to help defeat the queen of the usurper, Robert Baratheon. Hmm. Some of this stuff I feel like we, we, we handled, but what is your... If I told you that the Iron Bank, fresh off of Cersei repaying their loans, uh, would then so seek to supplant her and, and raise money for guerrilla forces, what would your response be? Uh, I think it's a real dick move, uh, A. But B... They haven't laid any of this track. They haven't laid any of the Golden Company's history track. Um, we don't know anything about Harry Strickland or how mm-hmm. the Golden Company was started. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as a as a branch of the Blackfire Rebellion, like yeah. d- none of that is in the show. So I feel like it's very unlikely. That's one of those things you can't do with a five second previously on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the Golden Company didn't exist. Until you could do that the fifteen minute uh, special feature on a Blu-ray. But... Yeah, it's not going to help me. Yeah. Uh, so. I feel like it's very unlikely that they're going to do anything tricky with a golden company like that, but mm. and I suppose not impossible. If you want to devote like 10 minutes of an episode to it, yeah. you could. Well, plus it's like, I think it's bad business for the Iron Bank to do that. It's not just douchebaggery. Yeah, yeah, no. Like, think right, about That was my A point, yeah. yeah so, so like, the, like the Iron Bank, his reputation is you pay us or we will essentially pay the goons to come and extract from you, right? Yeah. If they do on, a, on both sides, like, if you don't pay us, we're going to fuck you. And if you pay us, we're going to fuck you. Yeah, like, it's, it's like if you had a, a mortgage with Chase right? and, and Chase... Decided to buy, buy out the rest of your uh, yeah. of your neighborhood yeah. and run it into the ground so that your property value went down. Then right. buy it and and like rejuvenate it. It's like like what's their incentive to fuck you behind your back? Yeah. if you're giving them interest payments. Yeah, right? and who takes and what's and then the next king? Why the hell would they take an investment from the Iron Bank? Exactly. Yeah, like it's 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 you got to have a carrot and stick. You can have stick and stick. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, the carrot is they're going to loan money to Cersei uh, to to hire the Golden Company. I, I don't think there's going to be much stick there. Uh, Kevin L. If Rhaegar had his marriage to Elie, uh, Ela- excuse me, Elia Martell annulled, then is Danny actually a bastard? Is she really Daenerys Stormborn of House Targaryen, the first of her name, the Unburnt, the Queen of Marine, uh, Queen of the Andals, the Rhoynar, and the First Men, Khaleesi, the Great Grass Seas, Breacher, Breaker of Chains, and Mother of Dragons, or is she just Danny Waters? Danny Waters. It sounds like an eastbound and down character. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad name. Hmm. Uh, so I actually didn't know the answer to this, and there's nothing in Game of Thrones lore, as far as I can tell, that would answer this question. So I put on my comparative religion hat, and I looked into what the Catholic Church has to say, because I think out of all the real-life analogs— Where where did you do this? Where— there was a written documentation of this uh, no, there's a perhaps there's, in a book you've written or anything no there no. was a there was okay. a there's a catholic information resource that i said uh, and i did a couple i i i i'd satisfied myself that this is the current answer and essentially the catholic church's position is if if the marriage was valid or or um uh, putative at the time of a child's birth and they were seen as legitimate then annulling a marriage does not delegitimize the children in the eyes of the church Okay. But they also say that, like, consult your local laws because they all could vary. Um, and I saw that. So then I went and looked in the United States. Um, 
it's almost universally the case that if a marriage is annulled, that the children are still treated as like legitimate children. And also, um, as we've become less fucked up as society, as we move forward, the idea that inheritance is based on marriage, like, uh, most states recognize illegitimate children's rights to inherit and and rights to have, like, there's very few circumstances, like, sperm donors can like revoke that and things like that but like if you father child out of wedlock you are still legally obligated to provide for them and they have a legal claim on your inheritance so now i couldn't find a great answer for if this is something like is the church always been this compassionate or was there a thing where like well if you if the marriage was annulled then the marriage was never real and so god knew that these babies are bastards all the time i i don't know i I, my research didn't go back that far but uh currently um currently it's not and i also got to think that like man so there's the there's the there's the real world explanation then you go narratively that would be super unsatisfying right like if this comes down to (laughs) like technicality yeah yeah. uh well you know although it kind of is with john in a weird way yeah like it's the other side of the coin like john's the rightful king so danny's got jack shit now it's just insult to injury also you're a bastard you don't get anything (laughs) right you don't get dragonstone you don't get storms you don't get shit Get out of here. Um, so, yeah. Keep reading, Sam. You'll figure it out. Uh, Victoria H. Is the wall the only thing that stopped the invasion of the Whites during the previous long winter? Is it possible that someone had already killed the Night's King with the dragon glass thousands of years ago? Maybe future long winters will always bring him back to life. Has any reliable source said there's a way to defeat the uh-huh. Night's King once and for all? Um, also with the wall compromised and the children of the forest gone, is there any way to rebuild the wall to protect the living from future invasions? I mean, the problem here is you're asking questions, Victoria, that happened before recorded history. Um, and uh, like the maesters obviously have, have studied this a great deal and they have, they, they're, they're highly skeptical of some of the things that have uh, like happened in these legends. Like for example, there are tales from the Age of Heroes involving knights, but the concept of knighthood did not come into Westeros until the uh, uh, till the Andal invasion that happened like four thousand years before Game of Thrones. We're talking about things that happened eight to ten thousand years ago, and they're talking about knights. And also, some of these knights and kings live hundreds of years and centuries long. They're just normal men. Um, but there's also undeniable, like the wall was built um, mm-hmm. by somebody, and it's an impressive, like like. Um, it's it's kind of it, like like the a lot of the really impressive things that were built in Westeros were built in these time frames like uh, Winterfell, Storms in the Wall, um, and it's an open question about whether Westerosi could actually build this stuff now. Like that could be that uh, they've they've gone backwards, or maybe these ravages of winters have have. Um, and that's one of the theories that like why Game of Thrones has been stuck in a medieval age for thousands and thousands of years is because these long winters. Uh, keep everybody obsessed over tr- surviving the next one so you don't have time to make real substantive technological and societal progress so hmm. i don't know how's that any of that stuff grab you uh sure yeah <laughs> but, yeah i don't know but i said so, so the last time the long night came was before kind of recorded history so and he was beaten but now he's back like there i yeah as far as i know there isn't a, like a once and for all um like a, a easy piece and in, in fact I suspect that any victory that humanity has over the dead will be like a, a definite, like a temporary thing. Like you'll just know that, well, next time it'll yeah, be a strong I mean, impl- implication of next time. That's the thing. I just like, it's hard for me to speculate because there's so little information on this in the show um, as regards the night King and what he is. And like, we know the creation of him, but we don't really know all the context around that. So like to say that oh yeah there's a solution once and for all for the night king and this long winter thing i it's impossible for me certainly yeah um she also included and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna allow it uh a ps i'm reading gods of thrones now and it's an absolute pleasure the genre blend of (laughs) academic writing and podcast Uh speak is refreshing i think we need more (laughs) of this style in classrooms to get uh, students interested in thinking critically about tv shows and popular culture in general um Mm -hmm. 
funny enough, Victoria, I'm aware of at least two professors in this country that are using these books as part of their curriculum in that 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 uh, that kind of pop culture critical analysis type of studies. So nice, which is cool. I think is really awesome. Um, and yes, I, I I love the idea of students being forced to pay for my my books <laughs> <laughs> to be put under charge more. If it's a textbook. Yeah, I think a lot I, more. Uh, see, uh, if, if you go to two three hundred dollars, the Google Education, it's it's a uh, three hundred seventy five dollars. Yes. You can get it. You can get it paperback for 16 bucks but uh <laughs> the scholastic version is identical in every way it's just more expensive for some reason mm-hmm. because fuck, the, the binding is probably stronger i, nah, I just think it's no. just, I did th- it's <laughs> just that for whatever reason as a culture we decided to fuck the young people uh so but no thank you for those kind words and again gods of thrones.com if you would like uh to get more of that if you'd like to see what the, the, the fuss is about jim i think that's it for this podcast, if you would like to send in feedback for consideration for next week's spoiler edition, uh, it's real simple. Send it to Game of Thrones at baldmove.com and hope you arrive at the top of the of the hundreds and hundreds of emails we get each week. Uh, and we appreciate all the people to do send feedback. Uh, we You also can go on our forums, forums.baldmove.com, and discuss it with your fellow fans. We'll be back Sunday night for the Instant Take and for club members, the Instant Talk feature where we you can interact with us and ask us your questions uh, live on the YouTube chat format. That happens on Sunday at baldmove.com immediately after the East Coast airing of Game of Thrones. Anything else that I'm forgetting about? No. All right. Well, we'll see you t- uh, Sunday night. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.